0: Hey there, and welcome to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We're going to be spending the next few moments together in the presence of God, in the Word of God, and in what God wants to do in your life. If we can do anything for you, or you just want to learn more about us, visit our website at reallifespokane.com. Let's jump into this week's message. we talking about our worth because I want us to walk into 2023 with confidence this year. Many of us have been beat up circumstances have been horrible. Life has been what it's been over the last several years. We can complain about COVID and we can do all this stuff, but this is a new year, amen? And this is a chance for us to take a step forward into who God has called us to be and really with the passion that God is putting in our hearts. Today is just another simple conversation, but I want to get something deep inside you. We're looking at the life of Joseph, so if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I want you to open up to the very first book of the Bible. It's called Genesis. The beginning is what that means. Genesis chapter 39. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, maybe you need to Google it. We'll have stuff on the screen as well, just so that you can follow along with us today. Genesis 39 is where we're at in the story of Joseph, but we're looking at his life because his life was very far from perfect. We struggle because we want everything to be a certain way. In order, you know, I, I talk all the time with people. People are asking how we're doing, how you're doing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not good. Why are you not good? Because this happened and that happened. We do this all the time. We connect our, our our heart and really our confidence to our circumstances. And if our circumstances are good, I'm good. But if our circumstances are bad, then I'm bad, and everything else around me is bad, and your day better be bad, too, so that I don't feel so bad about my day that ain't bad, right? Like, like we get in this kind of rut all the time that every bit of our lives is based on our circumstance. We talked about it last week, like a roller coaster. We are a mess, right? When it's high, we're good. When it's down, we're horrible. There's, There's just this constant up and down. God, give us a confidence and a strength as we start this new year. Joseph's story today, we're gonna to see that God's hand is clearly on him. Just like I believe God's hand is on your life and the God that ordained every single one of your days gifted you for the life that he has called you to. You are gifted by God. The hope is that that will sink into your heart today because the challenge that we face is that we live in a very performance-based world. Everything's about winning, losing, succeeding, failing, amount of money you make, the amount of significance you have, the amount of followers you have, the amount of, uh, you know, kind of life that you have. I mean, you think about sports, you think about every bit of our, every category. You have grades at school, you have test scores, you have, you you know, kind of the end of the semester. You've got every bit of your life is being judged all the time. And we're kind of on edge as a people. We're always trying to make sure that we're succeeding, that we're not failing, and and many of us have kind of gotten in a spot, I know for myself, like, maybe, a, maybe I'm not really that awesome or not worth that much because I don't feel that successful in this life. We've attached our significance to our success or lack thereof, and so we're, we're, we're kind of on a different roller coaster based on maybe not circumstance, but success and failure, and many of us are having a... A lot of negative kind of things going through our mind, like maybe I'm not where I should be, and pressuring ourselves and pressuring everybody around us and trying to kind of get our lives together. That's what New Year's is about, right? Pull your act together. (laughs) I'm kidding. Okay, if you're new to real life, that's Richie's sarcasm. Sorry. Uh, I believe God wants to grow our confidence in 2023. You are loved. You are gifted by God. You are called by God. The creator of the universe knows you, shaped you, formed you, has purpose for you. Your confidence is not dictated by your successes and your failures. The God of the universe has plans for your life, and he gifted you perfectly to match those plans. Come in here today as people at Real Life Different. We don't just come in checking a a religious box and going through religious motions here when we walk in these doors. We're like expectant people, hungry people. We're we're ready for God to get this kind of truth. God, I am gifted by you deep in our souls to actually begin to transform some stuff. It's a supernatural thing that we're anticipating as we walk in these doors on Sundays. We call it real life because we believe what God is doing in here that's supernatural is actually going to translate to the real life that you are in the middle of all week long. That the the work he's doing today, the the way he's revealing his heart to you, the way he's gonna strengthen you and build confidence in you is actually gonna make a difference uh, this afternoon at lunch with your family, tomorrow morning when the boss throws that thing on your desk. Like every one of those real moments, I believe God is shaping in these kind of supernatural moments. We were praying all weekend long. We fasted for 24 hours. Uh, we we had a prayer vigil here. These doors were open for 24 hours straight. People just praying their guts out, for hours on end. Watch like the anticipation of God doing something supernatural this year. Even as we gathered last night in prayer and worship together here, it was just like this sense of like anticipation. God, we need you to do something supernatural in our midst, in our hearts, and in our lives. Like for us to have a vision to reach this world for Jesus is it's kind of a kind of a, a over-the-top type idea but what I love about this mission is it it creates a spot for every single one of us to go wow God you got to do something supernatural in this life if I'm going to be a part of something that significant world changing like history changing city changing God you got a desperation in the soul of a human is so good it drives us to places that we would never normally go. It drives us in places of faith. And so when we come in here today, I just get excited going, all right, God, what are you going to do at the 10 o'clock service on January 15th? Speaking of 10 o'clock service, you guys are awesome. You know what? You, what's so good about the 10 o'clock is you get to sleep in a little bit. And then it's like like not so late that you can't get lunch right afterwards, or maybe your favorite sports team is, like the 10 o'clock is the magic church hour. You know this, right? That's why the room is standing room only at the 10 o'clock. In fact, I would love to just encourage you with this, that our two other services, 830 and 1130, just as powerful, I promise you. <laughs> And maybe even, like, something that God would call you to. I was, I, I was, uh, I was joking with the 830 service that they were going to invite all their friends from the 10 o'clock to come with them at the, uh, to the 830. Why? Uh, because, man, there's every week, I think I called eight new families this last week that God has just drawn people to himself. Just met a family from Texas here in, in the lobby today that, that are brand new to, to what God is doing here at Real Life. And it seems like the front door always is the 10 o'clock service which I love. What happens, though, if there's no more seats at the 10 o'clock service, no more front door for people to experience who Jesus is? So some of you are like, yes, Richie, I am sacrificial. I will come to the 11th. I'll sleep in an extra hour. I will do it. I'll get up an extra hour early. I will do it. And think of this, 830, then brunch. Come on. Who doesn't love brunch, right? Okay, no, that's enough. 10 o'clock, I'll leave you alone. I'll probably only bug you, like, two more times. But... God wants to do something supernatural today, including moving you to another service. So uh, here's what I know is that the enemy is so good at getting us uh, in a place where we're insecure, stealing our confidence from us. I, I don't have anything to offer. My life's not significant. I'm not successful. I don't have what it takes. These lies are ruling so many of our hearts and I believe that God wants to change that today. Joseph's story is going to, I really believe, help change that narrative in your heart, in your mind. Genesis chapter 39 is where we are today. If you've got your Bible, why don't you grab that? I'm just going to tell you the story just so they maybe just kind of hear it um, in this way. We left the story off with Joseph being sold into slavery. The youngest of, a, of 12 brothers and has these dreams and his brother's I uh, hate him for these dreams because he's telling them all about them, and they're all supposed to bow down to him one day, and uh, he's really, you know, kind of sh- just, hey, if you have dreams, you know, in this world about people bowing down to you, maybe you shouldn't share them, right? Uh, but Joseph just, you know, he's excited. He's young. He's 17. He's just like, that's what I do, you know? And they throw him into a pit, then they eventually sell him into slavery, and um after he sold into slavery the the slave traders sell him to a, a man named Potiphar that's where we pick up in Genesis 39 Genesis 39, we find Joseph um, being sold to Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard. He is like uh, one of the most um, powerful guys in all of Egypt. Pharaoh has him in charge of his jail system. It's like like the lead guy of the Secret Service, right, at at the U.S. It's like the guy that has all the authority with all the correction in Egypt. And Potiphar is a really powerful guy. And he buys a household servant that happens to be named Joseph. He puts him in his household and begins to take care of things, and pretty soon God begins to uh, bless what Joseph does. As he's serving at at Potiphar's house, as he's um, um, just doing the things, the duties that he's been given to do as a slave at Potiphar's house, God's hand is clearly on this guy's life. The gifts that God has given him begin to surface, so much so that Potiphar takes notice and is like, man, this guy is super gifted. i got to give him more responsibility, more opportunity. It's like God is just creating this massive amount of favor everywhere that Joseph, everything he touches, it just seems like, wow. God's hand is on this guy's life. Eventually, it gets to a point where everything in all of Potiphar's house is under Joseph's charge. Nothing. The Bible says that Potiphar doesn't have to worry about a single thing other than what he's going to eat for his next meal. That's pretty impressive. Just think about, like, what it would be like to be free from every care because you have somebody in your life that is, like, that blessed and that put together. It's just evident. Well, Bible says that Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. He's handsome and ruddy. Ruddy is a biblical word for cute, I guess. I don't know. It's it's uh, handsome. Try that one. Just try it. Ruddy. Uh, <laughs> she began to, uh, oh, it's well-built. That's another way to say it. Well-built. Ruddy. Ruddy. Uh, uh <laughs> She began to take notice and she started inviting uh, him to sleep with her, seducing him, trying to get him to, to come to bed with her repeatedly. And he's resisting. He's, he's like fleeing, like, no, I'm not going to go to your house, be in the house with you. I'm not going to be anywhere around you, but she's just persistently coming after Joseph one day circumstances hit just right where he's in the house cleaning, doing whatever his household duties are, and she's there and there's no other servants there. She comes, she grabs him by the cloak and, and says, come to bed with me now. And he rolls out of the coat, he like steps out of the coat, leaves it in her hands and runs out of the house. She screams in this moment recognizing, oh I have the servant's coat in my hand. She screams, all the servants come running. And uh, uh, she, she starts to make up the story. Hey, this Hebrew slave, he, he came to, to, to toy with me, to mess with me, and he's, he, he's trying to get me to sleep with him. And look, I, I screamed, and he ran out of the room. I have his coat here to prove that he was here in my room trying to get me. Potiphar eventually hears of this th- lie that his wife is telling and is absolutely enraged and uh, has Joseph Uh, thrown into the prison that he oversees, into the jail, the place where criminals go to die. Joseph's life goes from pretty bad to even worse. This is the story from God's word. When you hear the story, I just want you to kind of reflect on your own story, circumstances in your life. I want you to think about how tempting it would be for Joseph to disconnect from the purpose of God for his life, to give up on his worth, on his value, to see the betrayal that happened, the lies that were being spun as things of maybe God abandoning him or leaving him or or forgetting about him. Can't imagine how insignificant and worthless Joseph might have felt in moments like this. I want to pray and just ask God to speak to us. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, just come before you with your word, by your spirit, just ask you to be here speaking. There's people in this room, God, that need to know your grace, the truth of your love for them, the power of your gifts and your abilities inside them, God. Your church needs confidence, Jesus. Your church needs confidence, God. We resist the lies of the enemy this morning, all the... The half truths that he spins to sideline us and keep us from our potential and our purpose in you, God. We just rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus and ask God that you would be here powerfully, making your your presence known, your love known, your grace known, God. We just thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you that you would call us, God. We just trust you to speak, in Jesus' name, Amen. So I don't know if you do this, but um, I was challenged by somebody that that. Um, invest in my life this year, I was challenged to um, pray about, think about, and kind of focus in on a theme or a word for the year. Anybody do this kind of a thing? All the ambitious people put their hands in the air, right? Some of you poo-poo it like I have for years. You're like, oh, it's just another New Year's resolution. Some of you are really into it and you're really prayerful about it. Uh, I did it this year and and put a word, you know, and really felt like all through the month of December, talking to my wife, we're like, uh, you know, kind of talking about it. We get to a New Year's Eve party with some of our friends, and we're talking about our word for the year. And it was like, as everybody's sharing theirs, it's like so inspirational, joy and, you know, laughter, and I'm realizing, I think I did this wrong. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I share mine, like sheepishly share mine, and they're like, referral. Like, I, well, this is my word, not your word, right? (laughs) Well, your word is kind of a bad word for the year. I don't, you know, it, I, my I has got to make, like, you might as well have picked, like, you know, perfection as your word or something, you know. And, and, and it's like kind of a joke a little bit, but I, I think I'm realizing something. I pressurize my life quite a bit. I don't know if you do this or not, but, but I have this tendency to kind of put performance as one of the epicenters of my life, and and constantly evaluating everything I'm doing—is it—is it—is it winning? Is it succeeding? Is it? You could probably ask my daughters, and they would tell you probably way better than anybody else that 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 I kind of live with this like intensity of pressure about my life. And you know, when I picked my word of the year, apparently all of my heart was just revealed in that moment. But I think our story is is maybe similar. Maybe yours is kind of like mine, pressurized. That if if I don't feel significant nor meaningful, unless I get things right, unless I accomplish exactly what I set out to do. And I think as I have pastored people here now the last 12 years that we've been a church together, a theme always seems to emerge as we're talking through maybe an addiction that you're struggling with or, or a marriage problem that you're wrestling with. There's this, this thing that we do as people. We use this, this, this tool in our lives to try to help us kind of pull it together, if you will. The tool that we often employ is called shame. And it's horrible, but, but it's really familiar for many of us. It's a tool that we employ when we feel like we're not succeeding and we're not meeting standards and the pressure is just kind of, you know, maybe needs to be turned up a notch or two in our lives. We'll take shame and we'll tell ourselves stuff like, come on, man, pull it together. There you go again. We'll say little phrases to ourselves like, oh, don't be an idiot have little whispers in our conversations to ourselves trying to muster up motivation. That's what we're trying to do. Maybe I've been lacking motivation. I've, I've been lazier. I've been I've been struggling with, with just kind of a sense of complacency. And so I'll, I'll use this shame to kind of beat my, my soul up a little bit so that I can get going again. Here's the trap of shame, though, is that it only works for like an, an instant. You're like, oh, good. Had a good day, right? But then it wears off, and in order for a shame to work the next time, like 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 a dial on a on a like a on a on a voltage thing, you gotta kind of turn it up, get the paddles right, and it's like like a little bit more heat, a little bit more pressure, a little bit more intensity, and, and we do this thing all the time. It's a bottomless pit. And then eventually, if you're not careful, you find yourself serving shame like it's some sort of master in your life. It's just a repeated thought process and pattern of how you talk to yourself. It's convincing yourself to get awesome eventually, finally, please, 2023, can it be, right? It's like, it's like this constant just like egging yourself on with this shame, and it's Paul, he Wrote, writes in Romans chapter seven and eight, he talks about the struggle that we all have inside of us. This is sinful nature that's ruling many of our hearts, that causes us to be despondent at times, It causes us to say stupid stuff. The sinful nature inside of us is what leads us away from God. Those of us that have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior have been given a gift now of the Spirit of God that now dwells inside of us. And the good news is we have power over sin and death by the grace of God, the Spirit of God inside of us, but the sinful nature doesn't just vanish the moment we put our hope in Jesus Christ. Now there's a war on inside you. Do I listen to my sinful nature that I've listened to for decades, or do I learn to listen to the Spirit of God? Anybody know what I'm talking about? War inside me, right? Right? And that war is raging in so many of our lives. Paul talks in Romans 7, there's all these things that I don't want to do that I keep on doing. And all this stuff that I want to do, I never do. He ends the chapter like, what a wretched man I am. He says, but thanks be to God. Because at Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation, shame. Every one of us that have been brought into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, have a sense of confidence, not in ourselves, in this sinful nature that's inside of us, but in the spirit of God. Our confidence and our ability to overcome the broken life that we've been in and all the craziness of our lives, our confidence is not in ourselves. That's the trap of shame. Try harder, do more, do better, pull your act together. What are we doing? We are relying on ourselves. The Spirit of God has the power to overcome all the brokenness in our life and it is only by the Spirit of God that we can become the people that God made us to be. And The enemy is so sneaky that he gets us leaning on ourselves to try to beat the brokenness inside ourselves. It will not work. You do not have what it takes to beat your sinful nature. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because he knew you didn't have what it took. He knew you didn't have the power over sin and death. Only he... By his spirit who rose him from the dead was he able to defeat sin and death for all of mankind, for all of eternity. You don't have what it takes. It is a gift of God. It is the grace of God that we could receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and be given the gift of his spirit inside of us. The gift of his spirit is the power of God inside you. Just think of this, right? When when, when you think about becoming who God made you to be, stop thinking about yourself. And start looking to the spirit of God to say, hey, if if you've got plans and purpose, you wrote them down in your book, God. If you've got these days ordained, then you've got to bring about these days in a miraculous way. Because I can't get there on my own. See, grace is not just to save you. It's also to sustain you in every single day. For you and I to have the power of God inside of us is to recognize that the gifts of God on our lives, in our lives, the things, the abilities that God has actually placed on your life, this is what Joseph's story teaches us, is that it was God who gifted this man. Everywhere he went, everything he touched was blessed, not because Joseph was awesome. It was because God put his hand on his life because God had gifted him for this life. The only way that you and I are going to live those days that God ordained for us, that he wrote in his book, is when we become more and more dependent on the spirit of God inside of us, for God to produce the kind of fruit in our lives that only God can produce, that his gifts coming alive inside of us and through us by his power and his spirit are we actually becoming the kind of people. This is where confidence comes from, not yourself. Self-confidence is a horrible trap. Confidence in the spirit of God inside you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's Bible. That's scripture, right? That's truth that you can hold on to. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is now dwelling inside you. This is the power. This is the opportunity that we have is that you, real life, are gifted by God. You have gifts, abilities, talents, things that God has marked your life with. Not so that you can just live the best life that you want to live, but so that you and I can ac- can accomplish the mission that God has for every single one of us. So that we can become the kind of people that he's called us, designed us, gifted us to be. He has purpose planned for your life and he shaped you perfectly to live toward that purpose. You and I submitted to the spirit day in and day out is how we grow toward this purpose that God has for our lives. But you just gotta settle your heart right here. I am gifted by God. You are. Last week it was this simple. I am loved. This week it's this simple. I am gifted. The God of the universe saw fit to shape me perfectly for the purpose that he has for me. That's where your confidence comes from. Joseph, what I love about his story is it's so messed up. Isn't it easy? It's tempting to look at at stories with superheroes in them and go, yeah, if I would just pull my act together too, then maybe I could. Joseph's life is a wreck. It is an absolute, like, it goes from bad to even worse. Wrongly accused, thrown in prison. I mean, bad enough that his brothers hate him throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. Now now he's being wrongly accused after all he did was awesome for Potiphar's house, right? He never did one thing to, to betray Potiphar or to, to, to lose his trust. And here in one moment, one simple accusation ruins the entire trajectory of, of what Joseph thought life was gonna look like. And now here he is again at the very bottom of life. It would be so tempting to connect our significance to our successes and failures. Joseph's story says, no, 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 real life, do not do that. God has a bigger story that he's writing with Joseph's life. He's moving Joseph step by step by step. He's moving him because he has a plan to save his people through this guy. Joseph can't see that part of the story. Neither can you see the future of your story. So for you and I, just to rest our confidence in this, okay, God, you've ordained my days, you've written them down in your book, you've gifted me for them that means I have your spirit, your power, your gifts inside me, working through me, that your hand is on this life, God, then I'm just going to trust that you have a greater story in mind and that I can, I can humble myself before you and walk with you today and, and allow you to bring these gifts and these abilities out to bear. I love this, that it was God's power, God's hand on Joseph's life. It is going to be God's hand and his power on your life. Romans chapter 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome, in verse 6, he says, we all have different gifts. I love this, because you're different people. Unique stories, unique endpoints, unique contributions to the kingdom of God. We all have different gifts. According to what? According to who wants what gift? We have like a a secret pole somewhere I didn't know about? No, no. It was according to the grace of God, the grace given to each of us. God gave you your gifts. He gave you your abilities. He gave you your talents. He gave you your skill sets. The God of the universe shaped you perfectly for the story that he has in mind for your life. He says, so if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, I love that, with your faith, in accordance with your, what does that mean? It means as you recognize, oh God has gifted me with the gift of prophecy or the gift of serving or encouragement or teaching, like as you recognize, oh this is the gift of God on my life, then begin to apply faith to that gift. God must want me to use it for his purposes. Here's the faith part. You have no idea how this is all going to go or where it's going to go or what it's going to mean or how it's going to all play out in the end of your story. So it requires this faith. So in accordance with your faith, then begin to prophesy. If, if it is serving, then serve. I love this. He doesn't put all this like asterisks and explain. Well, you know, as long as you're qualified to serve, as long as you've achieved a significant amount of success, then. Then you can prophesy. Then you can serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. Some of you are like, why do I just make so much money all the time? This is why. God gifted you to give. You're laughing. This is not a joke. This is a big deal, all right? We don't laugh about encouragement. Uh, If it's... (laughs) <laughs> clearly not my gift, okay uh, if it's <laughs> if it's to lead do it diligently oh, I wish he put a different word there if it's to show mercy do it cheerfully do it God's gifted you in your life the enemy loves to discourage you and say you don't have what it takes you don't know enough, you're not good enough, you're not successful enough Here's what he's doing, sidelining you. The purpose of God is marching forward. It's moving forward throughout human history. And you and I are making decisions day in and day out whether or not we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. And like a parade passing us by, many of us are just sitting on the sidelines waving because the enemy has sidelined our confidence. He's taken us out at the knees. The only voice we know is shame. We have no idea what the spirit sounds like inside of us. And the kingdom of God, the, Jesus says that the kingdom is forcefully advancing and only forceful men will lay hold of it. You know what that means. It's going. Get in. Don't just sit there. Serve. Don't, don't just stand there. And encourage. Like you've been gifted by God. And the enemy would love to keep you from the gifts of God, from you living out the power of God inside you, keep you insecure, to keep you just tippy-toe on your way through this life, hoping that somebody notices that you're significant. And God has already said that you're significant, that you are gifted by him, that he has given you everything you need to live this life. He has gifted you with his spirit inside you, empowering you to become the man or the woman that he's made you to be. When you are confident in your worth and your value and your gifts, you have this just sense, God's hand is on me and his power is going to work through me. See, this is a different kind of people. This is a people that actually see our workplaces as opportunities for the gifts of God to be used in a way to bless other people. What's interesting about Joseph's story is Potiphar never said thank you. Never was like, whoa, Joseph, you just quadrupled my household and everything is blessed. And all I have to worry about is what meal I'm going to thank you. No, has them thrown in jail. Just think about how many days you're serving and nobody notices. How many times you encourage, they don't say thank you. You stuck your neck out there for the boss over and over and over again. And it just never. This is why it's so important to disconnect your worth from your successes and your failures and establish your confidence in the fact that God loves you and that he's gifted you for this life. You're not living for your boss's approval, for your coaches, for your teachers' approval. You're not living for the approval of your parents or these people or you there's one the one that has created you, the one that is ordained every single day, the one that has wrote them down in his book, he's the one. See, this is where this is where our hearts feel with a different motivation, like a pure motivation. Not trying to pull our act together using shame as a weapon against our souls, but, but us going, whoa, God, you've given me all of this and Maybe nobody will ever notice what you've put inside me. Nobody will ever thank me. Nobody will ever give me accolades or awards for this, God. But I'm just going to live every single day for your glory, for your honor, God. Because you're the one that's gifted me. You're the one that's loved me. You're the one that has always been there. You've never given up on me, God. This life, it's yours. These gifts, they're yours. It's your kingdom, God, that that I'm living for. If nobody on this planet ever notices a single one of us, God, would you give us a confidence in you? Your calling, your gifts, your abilities that you put inside me. See, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And he sent his disciples to say, go, go. There's an entire world that needs to know this love that I have, the reason I died so that people could be free from this sin and this shame inside them. Every single one of us has been given this mantle on our lives. And the enemy loves to just keep us on the sidelines. He doesn't got to get you sinning, He just got to get you in the stands you're in the kingdom on, but not actually a part of it. Jesus' church awake. Jesus' church empowered. Jesus' church filled with confidence in the grace and the love of our God. This city will change. Your school, your neighborhood, your family will change when you walk in the gifts that God has put on your life. It may be an absolute train wreck in your family right now. Your family will change when you walk with the gifts of God that he's put in your life. You are exactly where you are for a reason. I say that to myself. I say that to every single one of us. Joseph didn't pick Potiphar's house, and he definitely didn't pick jail. But God had a plan. God wasn't punishing Joseph, he was moving Joseph. I need to get you over there to Egypt so I can save my people. God might be moving you and it feels a lot like punishment. He loves you. Hebrews says, doesn't a father discipline a son whom he loves? Isn't he wanting to shape you for his purposes? Isn't that how good he is? He's got gifts and abilities inside you. He wants to get his love through you to people all around you. A couple things I want you to consider. I have like 30 more minutes of content that I just weigh over. It's 11. I'm actually stalling because I want you to talk to all the 1130 people coming in. I just want you to say, say to them, move over, right? Like, I'm coming to your service next week. (laughs) Kidding, not kidding, okay. I want you to consider a couple things. One, if you've never been baptized, that's your first step following Jesus. Somebody that recognizes, I need a savior, love of God has been poured out through his son, Jesus Christ, when he came and he died on the cross for my sin. When Jesus went to the cross, it was my sin. That cut to your heart like that, that's you going, God, I need a Savior. That repentance brings you to that place of humility before God, receiving Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. It's marked by baptism. That's why we celebrate. Last week, three more people were baptized in Jesus Christ. We could, we could celebrate that, yeah. And I love, we'd love to baptize you today and celebrate with you. We've got shirts and shorts, towels, everything you need to take that step. The other thing is this. The enemy's lies and the voice of shame is so powerful in our hearts and our minds. You need people around you that are going to help tell you the truth not the truth from some social person, the truth from God's word. If you don't have people in your life that are helping remind you that you are loved by God, that you are gifted by God, and you need to get connected. Our team's starting a bunch of new groups here on Monday nights, coming up next Monday night. Maybe you've got just a few neighbors that you're like, let's get, we we gotta, we gotta be together and we gotta remind each other. Whatever that looks like, you need to connect with other people that are gonna help you ground your heart and your confidence, not in your circumstance or your successes and failures, but in the word of God, the truth that God loves you, that he's gifted you. The last thing I'd say to you is this: some of you need to get serving. You've got gifts. You've been sitting on the sidelines. You might be a good cheerleader or fan of the game, but you're not actually in the game. I just want to encourage you with this. You may go, I don't know. I don't know what my gifts are. My My first job serving in church and ministry was setting up chairs. As far as I knew, that was my gift. Never anticipated old microphones or doing any of this leadership stuff that I do day in and day out. The only way that you learn how you're gifted is by getting in the game. If you're waiting to figure it out, you won't. So get in. You'll start to make mistakes, part of the process. You'll trip over yourself, you'll say dumb things. You'll have to apologize, you'll have to forgive other people. It's so good to be a part of a family. Everybody's like, church is a family. You know what families do? They make messes and they have to forgive each other We glorify it like it's all awesome. Have you been to your family lately? (laughs) Church is a family. Okay. (laughs) Let's pray. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Jesus, your church is so amazing. You've gifted every single one of these people so powerfully. Glory, God, so good. We just honor you, Jesus. But just honor God in your heart for a moment. Just thank Him for His love, His grace, His gifts that He's chosen you. Thank you, God. You ordained our days. You wrote them down in Your book, God. Thank you, Jesus. There's people here that need salvation. God, draw them to repentance right now. Give them the courage to be baptized. People that need relationships, God. Draw us together, find the right connections, Lord. I pray that you would supernaturally just guide us to those steps, Lord. Some in here, God, have just been sidelined by our lack of confidence and our insecurities, God, get us in the game. Ultimately, I just pray your church would just rise up, God. That this would be a year, God, of your grace, your gifts, your favor on your church. A city being changed because of your love pouring through us, God, to those that are hurting and broken around us, God. Lord, oh, your church on fire, Jesus, is a dream we have. God, your church filled with your spirit, and power, God, To love to serve, to change families, to shape marriages, to transform neighborhoods, God. Oh, Jesus, raise your church up. Fill us with confidence. I love you so much, God. I love you a ton, real life.